Hey, welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. I hope you're well, hope you're safe, and uh, soon we'll be joined by multiple Australian Barista champion, Hugh Kelly. So here's the man. We'll bring him on straight away. Hey, mate. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you traveling, brother? Good. Yeah. Things feel like they're sort of going back to normal, which is really nice. Really nice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, um, first and foremost, you, your family, everyone is safe and sound. Yeah, everyone's good. Yeah, most people have been working from home. So, yeah. My mum's, um, she's ICU and my sister's a nurse, uh, but they're all good. So, there are. Well, big shout out and a huge thank you from me and plenty of others for being in the uh, first of line. I mean, it's uh, uh, incredibly, it must be incredibly stressful for them, I'm assuming, a little bit. Yeah, I can't, I'll get to go up to Sydney next week and see them, which will be really nice. It's been like probably six, eight weeks since I've seen them, and I'm used to every other week going up to Sydney and it's going to be good. Hey, yeah. It's going to be good, yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Um, yeah, yeah, good, man. I think um, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of scared to go back to normal. I kind of like this. You've been a busy boy. <laughs> hey, you've been talking to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, i got to say, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting three, four weeks, and uh, it's, been, uh, it's been good, and uh, um, I'm really, really happy to have you on and to meet you, even though virtually, hopefully we'll meet you soon at, uh, in Brownswick. Uh, but look, let's get the ball rolling for the people watching because they want to know more about you. They heard my voice too many times in the last month. Um, <laughs> you, you're considered one of the best baristas in the world, um, but how did you start your coffee journey? Um, I moved down to Canberra from Sydney uh, to do uni and I was studying commerce because I didn't really know what I wanted to do out of school. Um, and then well, I went up to, like, it was one of my first job applications. I went to like a coffee cart and it was kind of commercial coffee. And then we changed, we had an awesome team there. We changed over to Honor Coffee back then. We were like one of the first, uh, first customers that Sasha had. Um, what was that? Almost 10 years or 10? 10 or 11 years ago. Yeah. Damn. Long time. Um, so he was roasting out of a garage and um, I think he got kicked out of the garage and moved to another garage and, and started the <laughs> roastery. And yeah, it was all very, uh, very fresh and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, when they opened the roastery, I started, um, I started working there and started competing. Like he just was like, oh, you want to do coffee competitions? And I just said yes without thinking about it. And then yeah. 10 years later, I'm still competing. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> crazy. To... <laughs> well, I think, I think it's quite beautiful because, I mean, Matt was studying law. You were studying commerce. And then you both found coffee or coffee found you, I should say. And uh, I guess the rest is history. And before we answer the question that just popped in about coffee cocktails, I mean, just because you touched base on it, could you kind of give the audience a little bit of a summary of all the competition you took part and won? 
Uh, I think it's super important as well for uh, one member watching, especially Bianca, because we'll get into that later. Which competitions I competed in? Um, well, there's been lots. Uh, I think I competed in barista co uh, competition eight years, maybe nine years. I think I lost count now. Um, wow. Yeah, so that was uh, – we, we sort of started competition not really knowing – what it was about and how to do it properly. Um, and I know, yeah, we were very far off on score sheet at the start. Um, but, you know, we had the ACT, like our little state competition. So obviously we'd kind of do really well in that because we were the only ones really competing and a couple others. Um, and then you get to the national comp and then you'd have to just, you know, big learning experiences every year, not making it out of the first round each time. Um, and I think in my second year, I, um, I, what seemed like a fluke, I guess, I, I managed to beat Sam and Gus, who, like, this was Sasha's year off, so he was the winner every year. Um, and it was always, oh, who, who's going to come second to Sash? And then I came out of nowhere and won that, and everybody was super surprised. Um, and went into nationals, into semifinals, completely out of my depth. And that was like cluster, just yeah, it was bad channel shots and everything, yeah, going wrong. I think I, I pressed my signature drink through this sort of frame thing and lost half of it down the side of the vessel that was supposed to catch it. And I ran out of signature drink and it was like, there you go, there you go, sorry. <laughs> it was like the last time had, no, had no drink in it. Um, but yeah, so then I went and I won, I think, the ACT comp. I think I came second to Sash the year after, uh, but I made it through to the finals of Australian comp. I think everyone was really surprised at that as well. Um, and then I went from, what was it, fifth to third to first to first, and then last year, second to match. Yeah, um, I was there both 18, 19. Um, Obviously, it was at Toby's stand, but I obviously watched you and, uh, and the other guys. And, yeah, um, always good to see you boys down in Melbourne. Um, now, thanks thanks for giving the summary. I think I think the key component to that, uh, I think an element that's very underestimated and not quite taught in school is patience. Mm. I think we're so used to be able to get what we want right here, right now. It's like, it's like downloading an app. It's like... Yeah. It's that quick, um, and then you get your food delivered at the door. Uh, but I think patience is something super important, especially for for young for, for the younger uh, people. In the sense of because we live in such a fast world. I mean, I didn't have a, I didn't grow up with a mobile phone, so if things were a little bit slower. Uh, like mm -hmm. even communication. When now it's like, you know, it's we gotta nice. keep up. Yeah, there's so much content out there now that it's just like. I, I'm trying to learn the things that I want to learn about, and then there's just bombarding from everywhere, all over. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and that's why, and that's why you, you were comfortable with not getting the first year in the top six. You were comfortable to just chipping away until you get to that first place, which I think it's incredibly important. Um, I think the biggest part of it, though, was like for those, and it's been like that every year. It's just focusing on yourself and yeah. how you make yourself better, and it's like not about what you're coming, it's not about any of that sort of stuff. 
And that's what I guess has driven me every year is going, okay, well, last year I learned, you know, a weakness in that and, you know, smash out that weakness the next year and turn that into a strength. And that's what I guess has been the most fun about the competition. Uh, which is extreme. Uh, it's self-awareness. And I think self-awareness is essential because you're stripping away the entitlement. I was talking to Len Butler, one of the first episodes, and it took him a, a little bit to understand that the judge's feedback was to helping him rather than mm-hmm. him feeling bad about that feedback. And I think it's important to get that m- mindset. Um, there's a, there was a question initially before we go into the deep, deepest uh, topics. Uh, what other cocktails do you know other than uh, espresso martini? I think there's a, a few. Oh, man, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to spend a bit of time with... I've got uh, Danny Wilson. He was number three in the world a couple of years ago. Uh, and Nicole Batfield as well. She's uh, exactly. Jordy's yeah. uh, girlfriend as well here in Australia. So, yeah, I've had a lot of um, exposure to heaps of different coffee cocktails. I mean, you obviously got like Irish coffee, um, but then you're know, seeing thousands of variations of Irish coffees and yeah. um, the more ob- obscure stuff that's just full of, you know, Koji clarified rise and just all sorts of crazy stuff. So I love it. Cool. Yeah, that, that was a that was the first time that I read I read that question. I'm I'm glad someone asked that. I guess. But uh, well, so and then yeah, you got to win. So what well, what did push you? What was the secret in your opinion uh, that got you to the win? The first year, um, I think it was it was just real organization, um, and it was like focusing on you know. I think that first year was like all about lists and you know structure and how I train and like everything before stage was was the biggest thing. Um, then the year after, I mean, I had a I had a bit of a screw up in the semifinals in Dublin um, and shots running horrendously bad and everything. So then it was really like a lot of it was going back to basics. Um, so you, you you always start competitions thinking, oh, you know, you've got to change the world and you've got to do all this stuff. And, and everybody kind of goes in with grand plans early on. But unless you spend a lot of time on absolute basic fundamentals, like you you miss out on most of the points. It's, yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, th- thanks for that. And Gregory's is asking, let me grab it back. Um, can you tell your opinion on... Uh, frozen coffee and that's perfect because we just had Kirk from Sub-Zero on so that's yeah, a big fun. I love frozen coffee um, yeah like uh, I've been preparing for a competition for a national competition which should have been what two months ago I think um, yep. in Australia and I have like one of the most unbelievable coffees it was all roasted all my stuff was roasted and seven days out from <laughs> Australian comp it was all called off and I Sitting there in the freezer, a perfect age, tasting incredible. I'm trying not to drink it all because it's... it's <laughs> I was going to ask you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm, I've just got that laying down until it's time and then just pull it out and go. So I'm, I'm I suppose happy. I suppose you're really praying to don't have an electricity outage. I, uh, I did have that the other week, but it only went down for you know a couple of hours. Um, the Yeah. 
yeah, I was freaking out and it turned out fine. So, sorry, because there's only like six kilos of that coffee that I, I produced and stuff. Went over with, um, spent some time with guys over in um, Colombia and did some things. And it's not possible to recreate it in the next six months. So I was like, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Panic. Panic. And Bubble Beans asking, was it hard? I like this question. Was it hard to push yourself after getting first place? I think that's a beautiful question. Um, no, because I knew in Dublin um, I did not execute what I should have executed. And also I saw some major flaws in what I was doing. Um, that's like for me, the most exciting thing about Barista Comp is becoming aware. Like it's, it's new awareness each time. And... <laughs> You're like, okay, well, this is a fundamental flaw in, you know, my coffee or my like presentation style or whatever that is. And then you get to make it better. And then yeah. once you sort of make that better, then you see you get a new awareness. And every year that builds and builds and builds and you get to then focus on new, new aspects. So for me, like this year, I was the most motivated I've ever been. Um, I was working harder than I ever have. And I was working on smaller details. So. And I think uh, that uh, Bubble Beans anticipated my, my next question, which is uh, winning is fantastic, but it can also increase the level of pressure and it can make people change a little bit. How did you remain under control and humble despite the victories? You know what I'm saying? I think you just kind of answered that. She's great. I wouldn't call myself humble. <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, you just talk about self-awareness. I think people who are not humble, they, they, they have very low self-awareness. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. It's learning, you know, how, how do you affect other people and how does, how does your interactions with people, you know, what's the greater impact of that? And, I mean, I've obviously been lucky enough to have some, you know, really awesome people around me who've been able to be, you know, super honest about, you know, how, how you conduct yourself and, and what the effect of, you know, everything is. And it's just, it's just awesome to kind of think of it in that way, like, why are you doing it? And, uh, and trying to continually think bigger than what you were thinking and... It's just, I mean, I don't think that's what's so exciting about coffee, right? Like, you know, every time you learn something, then you're like, oh, cool, there's a new opportunity that I didn't see before. Um, yeah. That that tiny word is a huge word. Why? Why should be written in every single wall of, of your house for many, many things. Um, about Coffee Panama is actually asking something in relation to how many days should be coffee in the freezer. I guess the question is, how long can you keep it in the freezer? And before you answer that, uh, Korean, we know this guy, SCA trainer. I remember that Hugh Kelly came to my country in 2017, but now I'm in Australia. There you go. Oh, awesome. Um, so, yeah, first question was uh, how long to keep it in the freezer? How, I've yeah. Got my, I've got my 2017 WBC coffee still in the freezer. And it tastes <laughs> awesome. It tastes awesome. And is that... Is there a little, like a little drawer for when you have a shit day and you're like, oh, I need to trim myself? Is that, is that? Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. So that was the, the first ever, from what I know, whole cherry carbonic macerated coffee. Um, 
ever produced. And it's kind of like this. I've got about 30 shots left. And every now and then, I know my, I know my grind setting on which grinder. I only run it through one grinder because I know that it'll run right and adjust to the temperature. And I never have to waste a shot. Um, yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to, to have there. It's really nostalgic kind of going back and um, having that. It's like a reserve. You know, some people have that drop of whiskey, the expensive stuff. I get you. Um, Gregory is asking, what do you believe uh, about SCA standard for espresso and how important is uh, the perfect TDS? Um, So, I mean, I I think espresso, espresso can't necessarily be put into a numbers box, personally. Like I'm not, I'm not being critical of, of the way anyone does espresso, but I guess my personal opinion is that, you know, everybody has their own creative license with it, and it's what you like, what you like to drink, what you like to serve, and it's more importantly like what tastes good. And if you, I mean, I've had espressos of extremely high TDS, and you know, people serving espressos going, we've got really high extraction and and this is the most efficient and even extraction or whatever that is and then i'm tasting it going i'm tasting like process you know you're you're just you're you're pulling way too much from like it might be a natural process with a wafer characteristic that you know is you can hide with a less extraction or more concentrated or whatever and it's stripping away numbers and going all right what's happened to this coffee and what do i want to show and what do i want to hide I think that's more important than any kind of, oh, I extracted 27%, whatever, out of this coffee. Like, that doesn't matter if it doesn't taste good. So I think it's um, really, really, like, my biggest thing is WBC score sheet is so helpful to help structure and kind of strip away a bit of bias and help you kind of go, all right, like, this is a negative and that's a negative and that's a negative in taste what are the potential changes that I can do to, to remove it? Um, yes, that's my that, that answered the question. And, and I think also stripping away from what you, you know, from, from the competition, there's also the element of, you know, as long as you like it, you know, on, on a more, on a more, you know, I think that's also important, um, which you kind of tidy up with, uh, something that's coming next. Uh, because I don't want to drill you on competitions because I'm sure that you've got a thousand questions around competition all the times, but this is one of the most important for me because Bianca is watching. Um, Bianca is a, such an amazing individual. Like She's only 16 and she roasts and she crazy, like yeah, honestly, right. like I, 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 insanity. Um, what advice would you have for the young, the really young people who are really looking up at people like yourself slash and all the others because you know it's 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 a long uphill journey Mm. um i think the the biggest things are i mean obviously from like a technical standpoint um taste a lot of things and be super aware of what you're tasting and like it's such an awesome time to be developing that i know people that have that sort of maybe drilled into them from the, their parents if they're like from a wine background or whatever it is and while you've got all that neuroplasticity and all that sort of stuff you can learn so much like that's going to give you that advantage palette wise so 
take this time and really do heaps of conscious eating and all that sort of stuff. Like I wish I had done more of it when I was younger. Um, and that literally means even trying different fruits and whatnot. Yeah. How does it taste? What does it taste like? Where do I feel it? How do I describe it? Like doing that as much as possible. And it's a habit of mine anyway, when I'm, even if I'm at a table with people, um, I'm, and I'm eating dinner with someone and they might not be coffee people or food people. I, I can always take the one or two seconds and it's not like you're, you're gone from a social situation. It's like one or two seconds of, Oh, what's this like to me? And just acknowledging it and processing that. And then you you lock back in and it doesn't change how you interact with people, but you can be learning all the time. Um, but there's that. And then also, yeah, I think learning to be very, very open to feedback. Um, being you know being introspective like look at you know how your actions how your words how your whatever affects other people um so that's like the biggest one of the biggest things that i've been lucky enough to learn at honor as well is that you know there's no there's no egos no one's right and wrong it's just you know how you affect other people and, and try to help as much as possible i guess that's gonna open more doors for you to close yeah. Thank you. And, and I think the attitude open doors also towards the right mentors, which are probably a good, very key component to the story as well. Um, now, we all love coffee, I believe, in this chat, and people are going to rewatch or re-listen to this. But coffee really wouldn't be possible without its people and community. Origin, Rosta, Barista, Consumer, we all talk about it. However, I think we have forgotten about this element in many occasions. Our eyes are in the cup, in the jug, on the machine, on getting an account, on closing an account, on price. Could going back to real origin, the people, combined with the overall experience from the minute the consumer walks into the door and building relationships with consumer, farmers, first, uh, be the element to sort of save the industry and go, through it yeah absolutely like it's that it's back to that that thing of it's not it's not about you i mean you, you need to obviously think for yourself and how, how you can sort of develop but you know you it's sort of thinking where you fit in amongst that sort of system and how you impact others like that's for me the last and especially the last year i've been i think my biggest conscious focus has been what is the effect of what I'm doing on anyone else who's interacting with you know, where I sit? And is this decision a right and ethical decision? Or, and is this adding value to something? Or is it not? And that makes it pretty easy to... And like knowing what your values are. Um, and it makes make decisions a lot easier. And I think that... Thinking that way, it's going to help you, you know, listening to your intuition of is this right, is this wrong? Is this going to help them or is it not? And always going for that positive direction. I think it's, if everybody thinks like that, yeah, we're going to yeah. be in a better spot for sure. And, and someone asked me today, actually, a couple of hours ago, um, whether I judge people by what coffee, what type of coffee they drink. And my answer was super quick. It was not like I might condemn a little bit the $1 coffee from certain brands. Iona, 
on an ethical level, but I wouldn't condemn the person who's not aware of it, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. Uh, but at the same time, we need the people to drink coffee and we just need to avoid the barrier of, oh, I drink this. Um, but, you know, like, I think Absolutely. some... We, we kind of get caught up into that, you know. We make it almost unreachable. I'm sure you talked to Matt about the bubble, <laughs> the coffee bubble, Matt Lewin. Um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's definitely something that I've been... I mean, it, it's so easy to get so into technical details and stuff and then to get so obsessed with it and that be the only thing. Um, but, you know, I've, I've gone into cafes where people have been so, so, so bogged down in technical details and they've just forgotten about the basics and, you know, smiling at you, like seeing if you had a nice day, like making you feel good, you know, all those things. Um, I think that's, like it is as a whole. Um, like it's, it's everything together is not just one part. Um, yeah, like a, it's definitely... The more you make coffee, the more you, you strip it back to sort of basics and sort of appreciate that sort of stuff. Um, Especially if we have just spent one, two, three months in a lockdown that we've been stripped away from the human connection interaction and some people will want to, will, 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 uh, some people are craving that, you know, like right. already and uh, will become a point of contact. I follow uh, a good friend of mine from Italy is this, especially coffee shop and they they are cop they cop the harder than, than us obviously in Italy. Oh it's been bad, yeah. And still they, they here they are, they just reopened and even though there's not a takeaway culture, they're building it, they wear masks and gloves and uh, and what he's really I can see from his story focusing is just really trying to get that connection back. And I think that's gonna be adding value to the beverage which it leads to price. It's safe to say that coffee has been underpriced since the time, you know, like since day one. Do you think coffee should be treated and priced more like wine and beer? Um, okay, so like wine is a hard one because, and like, yes, coffee has had more inputs and more stages in process and all that sort of stuff. And like, I, I understand, sorry, I think coffee's had a lot more things done to it. Uh, before it reaches the end point but the the reality is coffee isn't necessarily executed on a basic level as much as wine is i believe i i think you like for example you go into a cafe and you might have you know coffee completely out of balance more often than you would have a wine that's completely out of balance uh and then you're thinking as well when are you drinking it in the day are you gonna spend you know, a hundred dollars on a, a breakfast degustation. Like, is is that where you you treat yourself to that sort of level? So, like, it is a very different product in a different social construct. It is also of different levels of execution to what wine is. So, it's sort of sitting in a different box. Um, with that said, I do think coffee should be priced higher. Um, but I think it's hard to justify, for example, a Bordeaux wine price. For, for coffee for a lot of people because it's going to be such a big barrier. You've got to go step by step. Um, and we, we've sort of experienced a lot of this in our shop um, where, you know, if we had tried to sell, you know, a $12 filter 
five years ago. Absolutely not, wouldn't have happened. Um, but now we're regularly selling $12 filters as a standard. And, um, but that's, that's because we've built that sort of level of trust and level of execution there. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's step by step. It's kind of not going, oh, it needs to be here. It's kind of how do you get that little bit more and how do you, how do you slowly change perception? Um, yeah, being realistic about it. And no, thank you. And I, I'll add on to that after I read this question from 808 Coffee Blog. Um, what's next? Anything you're working on that will change the coffee game? I think now it's relevant to ask that question. Um, yeah. um, and, and, and just to finish on pricing, I think you're right. I just believe that there is also labor that goes into the cup of coffee um, mm. versus opening a bottle of wine. I used to be in the wine industry. I think it would take a while, but I mean, I hope that Mark Dundon's prediction is correct about $7 cup of coffee to be the new standard soon. Uh, but that was a year ago on uh, a journal that I read. But yeah, so 808 question uh, is about if you do anything coming up new to change yeah. the game. It's a big uh, I'm, working, I'm working on a few projects. Um, a few little personal things that I can't obviously go too much detail in, but um, yeah, nothing. Don't don't reveal anything. This is recorded. Say as much as you want to say. Um, um, yeah, I've got I've got a personal project I've been working on um, on the side because obviously we had COVID hit and the business get absolutely hammered. So we all cut back our hours to sort of make things sort of stable and and sure into the future. So I had a few extra days a week which was really nice. I haven't had that in years. And I haven't been traveling, which has been crazy. I haven't left Canberra in like two months. So well, yeah, I've, been, uh, I've been sort of starting to build something um, that hopefully will, will release sometime later in the year, um, which would be pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and there was some really fun things that I've been doing uh, that was connected to my competition um, sort of routine as well. Some real like, really crazy stuff um so we're yeah working with some people over in europe on that um and yeah we were going to go over and say hey to them and visit and, and set up some really cool stuff but then obviously all this hit so that's got a pause button but you know there's a lot of things in the pipeline so i'm very excited cool well i guess you know they're gonna keep following you or start following you to know more um on the on the on the on the half mark uh, I got the out-of-the-box question. Uh, who, if you could, who would you like to have dinner with? Who would I like to have? I'd love to have dinner with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> finally, someone. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, well, I should, I mean, that's probably more, more achievable than a few answers that I've heard we'll, so far. We'll set it up when I come down to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take it. But if you, on top of me, is there anyone that you really like to go out with dinner with? Um, inside the coffee industry or out? Outside, any, even dead people. Even dead people. Oh, and um, I think just uh, Michael Jordan would be pretty cool. Have oh, you I've been watching the Last Dance? Yeah, watch the Last Dance. So yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. I reckon that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, I f yeah. To be honest, I've, I've been changing my personal answer on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, I thought I about Michael Jordan a few times. 
there's so many people that it's yeah that, that's the first that pops into my head i guess this is fresh i actually go into last dance because i'm not really the guy that sits down and watch too much stuff especially when i'm by myself um but rubens gardelli told me about it because he plays basketball and he said something about that show and he's like man you gotta watch him like all right so I if rubens said basketball but i loved it it was awesome Oh, it's great. Anyone watching that, you, you should watch it. Um, okay, Michael Jordan and myself. You put me next to Michael Jordan. I appreciate that. Um, so I think that we see coffee in a very different light, you and I and a lot of other people. Unfortunately, there's people who see coffee as a temporary transition or not quite real and serious, despite the person who's saying that drinks coffee every single day, which is quite the irony and the paradox. Um, do you, what would you say to people who are out there chasing the coffee, the passion coffee, but they're stuck into the good job, whether it's on a cultural level or whether it's society-driven? Um, they're stuck in the good job. What do you, so what do, you, what do you mean by like, stuck? You know, I think some people, are, you know, their family pushed them into dentistry or in the medical oh, field yeah, or yeah. something like that. And uh, it's considered a good job, but they are dying to learn how to make coffee. They really want to start a coffee blog. Coffee is, there's so much that you can gain out of the coffee industry. I mean, I was, I think, I, and it's not like this was, uh, I was, uh, oh, you're going to be a doctor or a dentist or whatever um, with my family, but there was a little bit of underlying when I started in coffee. Uh, oh yeah, you know, you can, I know you like this and you can do this for a bit. And then, and then you can sort of obviously look at what other jobs there are as well, like later on. And, and it's sort of like, oh yeah, come on, whatever. Like it's, I'd hear that from my family a little bit, but once I started really pushing with coffee and really committing to it and sort of obviously, um, sort of doing well in the competitions and sort of starting to build a business and a life and all that sort of stuff like that's it, it quickly changes their perception and it's it becomes obvious and I think there I mean people realize that as soon as when you're passionate about something and you can't stop thinking about something and you want to read about something you're going to do so much better in that than than anything else um, I think even within the coffee industry you can be doing jobs that aren't you and it's really important to be super honest with yourself it's like do does this make me happy or does it not and if it does not make you happy then you're not in the right place you need to find what that is that makes you happy um and only then can you do well like that's that's it you hit you hit jackpot on on a couple of things. People let them sink in. That people are gonna rewatch this. I hope they're gonna rewind and listen to what you just said, to, twice or thrice. It's also as well like with with coffee as well. I've realised especially the last couple of years is you can get so deep in it, and you can spend so much time and effort and and go like create crazy hours of work and all that sort of stuff, um, but. I've sort of pulled back a little bit the last probably year and a half and just like having a bit of life balance and having a bit of something outside coffee is completely changed the way my mind works. I'm more effective at everything I do all the time now. Um, and I'm not spending as much time working. Um, but 
having that conscious effort to go, I need an escape from coffee. It helps you think better about coffee. Yeah. And I, I think what you said also before is super relevant to, to, to many people. We should be relevant to many people because um, I usually make the example of football, soccer, whatever you call it, in the sense of people get stuck into, if I want to get into soccer, I need to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo. I need to make it to the national team. But reality is that there are such a wide range of options within each industry, as in soccer and coffee, you know, like the successful coffee writers, a successful coffee blogger, the successful coffee YouTuber, roasters, uh, salesmen, uh, uh, baristas, competitions. It's not like you have to win barista comp and that's it. There's so many different faces to it that they can generate a career and to put it in perspective, I mean, can you tell people what what are you currently doing at Honor and what's your, you know, yeah, what do you do there? You know, so people give, give them an idea. Yeah, um, I work in, so I run training centers. Uh, so I manage some of that. So we have a training center in Canberra, Sydney, and we're starting one in Melbourne as well. Um, and so I sort of managing and hoping to build that training department side of the business. Um, work in research and development um so like product testing like i'm testing biodegradable bags at the moment and, and seeing if there's any options that actually taste good um yeah qu uh, quality control um all that sort of stuff so it's a relatively varied role but um it's it was okay i had my focus so heavily on competition for the first few months of this year and then obviously that was just pause button um but now like i'm i've shift my focus and it's like okay, there's these exciting things in work that I can do. So don't need to have competition there all the time and it doesn't have to be the sole driving focus. And I think it's really important to have a thing. If you're doing competition, it's important to have a thing in your work that you're sort of trying to build at the same time. Um, it helps give you yeah, more varied perspective. And this is the proof in the pudding. You know, you have such a pretty diverse, interesting role that you enjoy. Uh, and it's, you know, you're not just a barista per se. You also, it's part of it, uh, just as kicking a ball, but, you know, you, you could be a trainer and a coach as well in soccer. So 100%. Um, we got a couple of questions. Um, what do you think about the prices of competition coffee from Gregory's again? Prices of competition coffee? Um <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Project Origin just uh, yeah, dropped a very funny question. But anyway, it's a it's a, it's a complex um, complex question. Uh, like competition coffees that get really high prices, they're that's fan it's fantastic that they're creating a um, a perception and a, a you know a new level of expectation of what a coffee can be valued at. That's a great side of it. At the same time. Um, it's also some of these coffees are, I mean, it's kind of like when you get to wine, a good example is like Lafayette um, is, you know, it's thousands of dollars a bottle. And then you've got other you know, wineries that are close to there and a similar quality, but they might be $500 a bottle instead of several thousand. And the quality difference is it's very small. Um, I think that's, that's where I kind of have a problem sometimes uh, yeah. is that, it can be reputation can 
inflate things and and be seen as you know like better than they are um which is kind of yeah so it's, it's a double-edged sword you, you're kind of looking at something that can increase the value of these other copies that obviously are undervalued uh, but at the same time it can be prohibitive um as well to be able to access yeah. these copies and you got the underdogs element too for sure um and Love the second underdog yeah. <laughs> and Zach Schneider asks, best milk espresso coffee you've had this year? Um, yeah, best espresso. Uh, best espresso was, uh, yeah, my coffee in the freezer. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I can't talk about it. It's, it's, yeah, it's um, insane. Uh, best milk I've had was a... What was the best milk? Pacamara. Um, it was regionals. What was it? Gilberto Barriona, El Salvador, Carbonic Maceration, Pacamara. So this was last year's uh, CM, and it had rested for what was it fourteen months or something? And we had like one batch left, and it was delicious. Like so much texture, like like Neapolitan ice cream, but just dense. That Pacamara gave it that extra layer of density and depth and then you had that kind of high tone pink like strawberry jam sort of stuff on top of it and it was just layered and cool that was super fun wow that sounds pretty delicious um and then we got someone that you know very well barista yan uh, asking what do you want to do when you win the world what do i want to do when i win the world <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a few things that um, that I see with in terms of okay, coffee execution at the end point relies so much on the lead up and the system, and I have a few there's a few things that I've been working on along the way that make that end point so much easier to execute. So for example, I've had an espresso that ran at you know, 12 seconds and I had an espresso that ran the same coffee that ran at 50 seconds and they both tasted good. So, and I'm actually not all that worried about absolutely nailing the second or the gram because the things have been lined up in a certain way. Um, I'm looking forward to explore that. I can't really go into too much more detail on it, on that, but I'm looking forward to explore some of those steps a little bit more and go a bit deeper. Um, because I think there's some pretty cool opportunities. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, uh, about last year, this time last year, uh, yeah, we, I, I've had the luck to taste some coffee sourced by Charlotte and roasted by Nick Ray. And uh, when at first they were talking about uh, extracting uh, 12 and a half seconds, it was crazy. Um, like, and I was like, how is that going to work? Um, and yeah, it was, it was delicious. The Mexican coffee, I think it was 13 second extraction. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. I just, I just got notified that my phone is running on low battery, but hopefully it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be all right. Positive thinking. Positive thinking. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I think um, extraction is short and long. I think there's a lot of fun in there. 100%. Yeah, I think there is. But at the same time, uh, I think that if 
if with like with the right understanding and the right inputs, the right lead up, being a barista can be easier. It can be less frustrating. Um, and in turn, we can explore flavor a bit more. Um, yeah. I think that's that's what's exciting about the about the you know, capabilities that we're sort of learning at the moment. Um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities to. Because I remember, you know, battling grinders a lot when I was working in cafes, like a lot, these busy places. And especially when we had five grinders and they're heating up and cooling down and you're like, you're just trying to get things close to your recipe and you're like, oh, I know it's not quite right. It's, it's going to, yeah. It's a frustrating thing and that shouldn't be the life of a barista. It no, be. it shouldn't. It shouldn't be. Um, we actually... There's a few funny comments. Com thinking says you could have a spare phone ready to go. I like that. <laughs> um, what, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do if you barista? Yeah, of course. Asking what would you do if coffee wasn't your career? Coffee wasn't my career. Oh, as in like for work? Um, man, I don't know. That's that's really tough. I'd probably be. I reckon I would be doing a fermentation kitchen. I, I reckon set up a room and make specialist ingredients for, um, for, you know, restaurants and stuff. I'd set up, you know, cool rooms and, um, you know, start making, you know, growing heaps of koji and whole, whole lot of fun stuff. Just for oh. a whole lot of things. It's a kind of like a, a little pet hobby of mine. I'm obsessed with all that sort of stuff in cooking. So, I think kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles, that's your jam. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. All the uh I mean like growing, you know, mold on things and and seeing what you can do with it, making misos and could you cool could you make a I mean this is I mean I don't want to steal team Wendable ideas here but have you been playing with kombucha and coffee? Yeah, uh, I've I've done a lot of as in like kombucha to mix with coffee or to i i've just so recently a post and i didn't read too much into it but uh, i think team wonderful just released a i think it was a kombucha coffee infused or something um i mean like to be honest i i did i did a bit of stuff with like um i'm not i'm not a huge fan of kombucha usually so i'm not that into vinegar like in drinks um, and yet you like fermentation Interesting. I like fermentation, but <laughs> I think fermentation is is a thing that you can you can control to go. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. And we're going to avoid these things. And we're going to get like for me, for example, kefir is it's got so much better quality of acid than kombucha. Um, I've had kombuchas that are great. I've had like one or two, but most of them are really sharp. And I don't think it's it's great for cooking. But um, and I'm not like not criticizing anyone who likes kombucha at all i think there is some uh there's some really really cool fermentation things that you can do drink wise that i reckon yeah delicious but it's obviously not my focus and it's so easy to get distracted these days hey Um, (laughs) yeah but that's a great answer i think i could see you having your laboratory and secret cellars with the special ingredients and aged fermented stuff ingredients uh bubble beans asking do you think flavor descriptions have become too long like jazz solos? Dude, I think they've become too long. Uh, it depends on who you're talking to. 
Um, I think the most important thing about flavor descriptions is gauging the audience and making it relevant to them and making sure that they can connect with it. Like it's, I'm not going to, you know, have a coffee with my mum and say, oh, you're going to taste pineapples and this and that and da, 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 and like give them 10 different tasting notes. And like, she's just going to go, yeah, whatever. Like I don't really connect with that. I'll, I'll go, you know, what's the most distinct, clear, big thing. And then I'll try to elaborate on that to make them understand, you know, why do I see pineapples, for example? And then it's like, yeah, pineapples, you know, the acidity and feel it in your cheeks and think about like try to draw their attention towards the experience of that so they can actually experience it. If I say you're going to taste mangosteen and you never tasted a mangosteen before, how are you going to, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. So I, I think actually I couldn't agree more and I've, I don't want to give this away, but I hope someone listened to me. I think that it could be a super cool trend to just go super basic. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm talking super basic because that's something that being on the road when I was at Toby's, I had to deal with because you see so many customers, you hear so many consumers and, and customers of my customers. Um, well, back then, now I'm not long at it. And it's like, you hear the people asking, oh, do you put blueberries in, in the coffee? Like, like mm. guide me through, what, what do you mean? Blueberry pie, da, da, da. I think actually, it would be super accessible on a sensorial experience level to release almost catered uh, labels or cards, tasting cards to go with your coffee. If you're a coffee shop that perhaps has a huge amount of crowd on the blocks on, on the black coffee scene, that might have a second tier tasting notes where you add flavor or two to it, but then you got your basic one for good old May Joe who just drinks mm -hmm. a cappuccino. I, I really think they're stripping back and going back because I get it, it's competition. It's like, let's get creative to sell it on a marketing point of view. But I think it will sell more if you say cocoa and people actually taste cocoa rather than Jaffa cake with a hint of uh, marzipan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even, even maybe going a step further back as well and just going a color. Like this milk base tastes, it's, it's pink and brown. Like that's, think like pink, you're thinking pink berries. You're thinking like that sort of spectrum. And you're giving them the, the opportunity to sort of experience their own thing within that. And it's not going too crazy, like detailed on that. Um, that that's, that's definitely, and we, we try to kind of do that with our, with our releases now as well is, um, have a very distinctive color scheme that matches the flavor profile of that coffee and try to keep like, you know, one or two things that the real hero of that coffee. Um, yeah. And people are connecting with it a lot. I think it's... I like that, yeah. Or, or even, this is just us talking, uh, <laughs> just brainstorming, I suppose. But even, you could even have, usually it's three. That's, that's the average that I worked out between roasters. Usually it's three. And we all know what it goes like. And you could, I think you could have, I know it's not, logistically speaking, could be a nightmare, but you could literally have a tasting note card with one, with two, and with three. Mm. I, 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 you know, I don't know. There, there's something to it. About. I, think, I think going like crazy detailed on tasting cards is not necessarily 
helpfulness. I mean, it, it it's kind of like, okay, yeah, so coffee can have certain like key characteristics. Let's just say you're looking at, you know, uh, Honduras high grown wash coffee. And the feature of that coffee is it's acidity quality and black currant. Like those are the things like that acidity is going to sparkle and it's black currant. And then there's other things there as well. But that's, that, isn't that where the barista's job is to sort of connect with the customer and to go, oh, you know what? This person's really into it and they clearly have a good palate and I've tasted all these other things. All right, let's elaborate on it. Yeah, cool. It's got this, 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 this as well. Um, yep. Or you just hold back and like sparkling acidity, black currant, and people are like, yeah, cool. I got those two things. I'm happy. I think I like that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question, of course, uh, Beans. Um Could you, going back to minds, uh, could you pinpoint a couple of memorable moments throughout your career so far? A couple of memorable moments? Um, I think, uh, obviously, yeah, being with Sash when he won WBC, that was probably the, yeah, one of the biggest ones that stands out. That was pretty crazy. None of us were expecting anything. Um, or maybe he was, but who knows. Uh, that was pretty wild. Uh, Sam at uh, Budapest doing Brewers. That was just like I opened me, like opened my eyes to filter coffee um, in a different way. And obviously, winning Australian uh, for me, 2017 meant a lot more than 2016. Um, yeah, and then being able to present a, a coffee that was sort of my own vision and like actually being able to very much be myself and represent myself in that way and kind of go this isn't anyone else's routine this is this is my own that's probably the yeah probably the the best one i think yeah and uh in your own words with you because because we are here and look before i ask you the question because we are at the tail end and instagram is really cutthroat uh, i want to say obviously huge thank you for giving us this time your time your hour i'm sure that not only Bianca, but all the people that are watching, are going to watch, uh, will get a lot out of this. Uh, you went in depth and you showed us uh, a whole different side of you. And I think people will really resonate, digest and process things that you've said. And I hope they're going to rewatch it a second, a third and a fourth time. So thank you. So you talked about vision, which it ties perfectly with my next question. What's your you know, what's your coffee mission and what would you like to see in coffee? I'd like to see, uh, what I'd like to see is um, in terms of like variety, like variety of coffees being celebrated for what they are um, hmm. and, and executed often. Um, I think that's, that's, that's the, such a fundamental step in making coffee appreciated and, and more accessible and why like mainstream and everything it's kind of going okay well let's just say you have a pacamara that has you know a positive and a negative and you're highlighting and showing that positive and executing it and i'm tasting that in cafes all over the place like that's that's where that's where you know then it's about you know just the the customer connection and that's when the industry can really grow um so getting these fundamentals in place and just a real focus on flavor um and connection i think that's yeah that's you pretty broad but it's yeah no I, I, well the beauty it's like coffee there's no right or wrong i mean 
it, that's that's exactly who you are, and I think showcasing that will allow people to connect with you on a different level when they watch you, when they listen to you, when they read about you, when they see your next project, when they see you completely next. I think it's super relevant. Um, Hugh, um, usually the last question is what's next on Hugh's planet, but I think you covered that. Um, and unless is there anything that you want to say that's coming up very soon, but I don't want you to give away much, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, really. <laughs> these, these chats are hard right now because it's like I, I, have, I, have, <laughs> I have these things that I'm so crazy passionate about right now. Do you know what, then? I'll answer the question for you. When you're about to release in and you want to go public, you let me know and we'll do another stream. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll release it. Um, Hugh, um, Big shout out to you, uh, obviously the team at Honor. I hope to see you when Melbourne opens up. I really hope, I'm assuming you're going to fly down. Yeah, I'll, I'll come down for sure, yeah. Meet you and the boys in person and girls. Um, the, yeah, big thank you again. I think lots of people will love to rewatch this, 100%, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No, thank you, brother. Feeling super grateful, man. Good to meet you finally. See you later, everybody. See you, buddy. Um, thank you all, as always, for being here. Thank you all. Um, thank you, Hugh, especially. Um, the, there's, there's been a lot of valuable things that we all learned and that we're all going to take home with. Um, and I'm really going to rewatch myself this again. Uh, Bianca, Tanti, Amos from Brew Shark, Zach, Bean to Machine. Bean to Machine, I'm getting back to you. I know I gotta get back to you. Uh, Rosie, Bubble Beans, uh, Glenn, uh, Dan, Yanina, uh, big shout out uh, to all of you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for everything. And uh, I don't wanna be biased, but thank you publicly to Bianca, such an amazing uh, young, talented, coffee person who sent me uh, a batch of coffee that she roasted and I can't wait to try it, uh, drink it and I will share with you uh, how beautiful that coffee is. And Bruchak, this is the best part of my day which brings all the motivation to the next day. Bruchak, thank you for being here and if you ever need motivation, if you ever need support or anything, all of you guys watching, reach out to me. Uh, I'm always available. I, it takes me sometimes a few hours to get back to people, but I'm always, always, always try to help. That's the number one reason why I'm doing this. And my battery is going to die in a matter of minutes. Uh, and also the show is going to shut down in about 45 seconds. Um, again, Bianca, you stay motivated. Be strong. Just keep doing what you're doing. Your values are such on point. Really good. Bruchak, you got this. You got this and uh, being to machine, I'm getting back to you a thousand percent. I had the goosebumps when you sent me what you sent me and I couldn't quite process. It made me super happy what you sent me and I didn't expect it. So I was like, oh, hang on. I need to get back to this in a proper way. Um, and yeah, Bruce Shark, I'll check out your profile right now. I'll charge my phone. Guys, as always, be safe, stay well. Drink lots of coffee, experiment, have fun, 28 seconds down. I don't have anyone programmed for tomorrow, 
we're gonna get back next week with uh, the train coffee and we'll see how we go with the new restrictions because I'm gonna get a little bit more into work I'll bring along the way but there's a lot of exciting projects that I'm working on and I'm gonna release in a few months uh, and yes bubble beans just DM me happy to talk guys three seconds to go thank you